Hello and welcome back to the Games Gone podcast. Back after a brief hiatus, I know you've missed us, but we are back as if we never left. Today, we have an exciting episode for you. We are going to review the transfer window and prospects for the top five teams in the league right now, with honourable mentions for Liverpool and Chelsea, neither of whom is near the top five. With me today are my brothers, Rishi. What's going on, bro? I don't like that comment but you made about us not being near the top, but I'll allow it. Uh, yeah, it's good to be good to be back. Good to be yeah. back. Um, we took a short break, but you know we're back at it now. So yeah, yeah, back like Liverpool in the top ten. And uh, with me is Rithik as well. Hello, hello, everybody. We are back after a break, and to put it kindly, it hasn't been too kind on a few of us. <laughs> <laughs> you know these right. Man United fans. Yeah, six months in, they're like all. All over the all of jumping for joy. Hey, we're going for second. Um, let's kick right off then with top of the league, Arsenal. Let's do it. And their transfer window. What did people think? Ooh, I, I don't know. I would give it maybe a six or a seven. I did like the deal for Trossard. He was a steal really good... at that price. That was he. That was a I snip. Would, that was a no. snip and a half. He Twenty-five mil on his deal. Twenty-five mil for a Premier League proven player that is going to get you goals. Yeah, and he's perfect cover for Martinelli as well. Uh, yeah. yeah, and he doesn't expect to start or anything. That's not a starter. That that's a good bench player to have. I no, I, I, I think it's a snip. Team. It's a snip. Yeah, I, I would I would agree if it was like he had a year, maybe a year and a half on his deal, but he had six months. He was going he they could have got him for free. Yeah, but they didn't they're trying to shore up winning the league, right? And they have no cover for Martinelli's side. So, yeah. And also they play anywhere along the three, the front three that they play. Mm-hmm. I think they needed a yeah. mil for a player like that, locked him in, decent wages and you know, he could be a big part. He looks really good. He could be a big part of them potentially winning the league. I agree. I agree with Chiv. I agree with Chiv. I mean, the 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 guy is, I like I said, primarily proven. He is a he is a good cover for all three positions, in my opinion, not just Martinelli. And you have someone who's going to add to the firing power kit. Some if he doesn't even do anything for Arsenal himself, he adds that competitive nature within training, so that no position is like guaranteed to anybody you know so i think it's a very very good this um, piece of business especially because they sort of lost out on the other deal that they were working on and that's kind of bolstered their attack to give them options going forward yeah yeah, Most of it, yeah. Not, not, not too many other big signings but i think Jorginho was interesting i i I personally am not a big Jorginho fan. I would agree with that. I I don't really like Jorginho all too much. I, I, think, I yeah, I don't know. I think to you have to look at the details. Bit. I think you have to look at the details of of what Jorginho can bring. He's another midfielder that can give a with with ex, extremely good experience. 
Champions League level, you know, all these things. Then he adds an element of ball playing to their midfield. Okay, maybe something that they uh, had or or had a little lack on, but they have extra midfielding cover with good experience and knows how to win. So I, I think, look, essentially they added two pieces that are backups, but when they come in, they are of a certain level and have been proven in the Premier League to have to be able to contribute positively. And in Arsenal's situation, uh, with Jorginho specifically, he is he's won things. He knows what it takes, right? So yeah, that's an important sort of experience to add to a group that is very young, very inexperienced at this level of, of competition, right? So that's how I look at I it. it. I just think longevity-wise, yeah. I would have rather paid eighty million for Caicedo than what they paid for Jorginho. Do you know what I mean? I get it, but at the same time, we have to look like you could like it was clear that Brighton were not going to get rid of let go of Caicedo. It was just not happening for unless some ridiculous fee came in, which. I'm sure come the summertime when he does make a move, it's not going to be anywhere close to the valuation <laughs> that they had. So, uh, you know, everyone else thought, you know what, let's let's get in another. He they they thought let's get in another option. Maybe go back for him in the summertime. Who knows? They could get him for maybe sixty or fifty. Now that the the demand has gone down, so yeah. Yeah, Brighton are in an interesting position actually, um, because they have a lot of players that people want. But they have no obligation to sell. They're actually quite well off financially. So it's like, yeah. like with, with Trossard, I know there was that training bust up and stuff. But do they just hold these players to their maximum value? Some of them, I think they'll try to. Um, Mitoma, McAllister. Although I could see, I could easily see McAllister and Kaiseido both moving in the summer. Um, no, I think they both will move this summer. Yeah, I I definitely think one of them is moving. Um, but I think I think it's that I th- I think they're gonna try to hang on to one of them, but I think they'll end up losing both. I think they're gonna lose both. I mean, if you're telling me one's definitely one, I- I'm telling you definitely both. No, well, a World Cup winner like McAllister is gonna it, it, okay. Enzo Fernandez has gone for 105 mil. Okay, and we'll get on to the topic of Chelsea later. But if he, who's who has only been in the top league, six league six months, has gone for that price, McAllister is not going to command that price. But everyone's going to look around and be like, you know what? There's another World Cup winner in their in their squad. Maybe sure. fifty million or so uh, experience can definitely contribute at, at at the highest level. I mean, I would you actually know, I don't... really like McAllister at Man United. If I'm fairly honest. I'm sure he could, like, genuinely, like, I, I mean, cliche, but I would like him, he, he could fit in our system as well, you know? He's got yeah. good, um, good, like, bite about him. He's got a great experience, uh, no experience. Um, he's very tough on the ball, hard to get off of, and then he's also quite a bit of a bulldog. So, like, you know, he, he doesn't shy away from, from physical challengers or anything like that. So, again, another really good player. So, I definitely yeah. see them losing both. Matoma is interesting. They may be able to convince him to stay maybe another year, but yeah, yeah I mean, Brighton's got some obviously very... like he's very early on in his contract. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. There, there is zero obligation to sell him. Exactly, exactly. 
And I don't think he, I mean, I could be wrong. Like in the summertime, he could be like, yeah, I want to move. But I don't think Matoma is like pushing for a move either. So coming back to work. coming back to Arsenal then, what do we think is their realistic ending position in the Premier League? Do you think with these transfers that they're champion bound or? Listen, top two for sure. Now, if you're going to say champion bound, it all depends on how they those those two games against City goals. Yeah, I mean, we're speaking on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. They lost to Everton, which is not part of the plan, obviously. Yeah. Uh, which brings the gap even closer now, because unless City uh, don't win today, so I'm not saying that you can start seeing the slip ups. No way, because uh, you know, losing one game can happen to anybody, but. Let's let's see how they sort of bounce back, but it all depends on those two games against City, um, in my opinion. And if they can keep the consistency, then it depends on those two games against City. It all those are the two things. Um, yeah. I definitely see I them finishing top Arsenal, because if you remember last year, they were a shoe in for top four, and mm. then the pressure just got too much for them at the end. And generally, City do that thing, right, where they go on some stupid ten game unbeaten streak at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know that the two games have to play each other. I I think it'll be a tight finish, but mm. I, I like you can't go which way around they'll finish. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think with City we'll get on to the this thing. I mean, but I think with them, they are also not at full strength this year. And I I while I do believe like I do believe they'll go on a run. Like I'm not saying they won't. Um, but I don't know. Something just doesn't feel as strong for them as last year, despite having Holland. If that makes sense, you know. So yeah. I'd agree. It could be that. interesting. I'd could agree. Interesting. <clears throat> I will pose a question to you: Is Holland making City build City's build up play worse? Oh, we'll save we'll save that question for when we get to City. <laughs> yeah, that that is an excellent question. Um, last, last thing on Arsenal before we move on to City then. From each of you, I want a grade, school schoolyard type grade on how they've done in the January window. I think you can start. Are we talking in terms of one scale of one to ten or a letter? No, A, B, C. I'd say B, purely because I like the Trossard deal. I'm a bit... Not sure. I'm not very sure about the Jorginho deal. So, no doubt that it decides that they they need they got some depth that they require. But I'd say B because I'm not sure about Jorginho. Yeah, Rishi, what do you think? I'm going to go just to clarify. There's no A minus B minus C minus and all that, right? Well, you could do a minus if you want. You can do okay. A plus. I will go. I will go. Uh, I think I the person think they've done a minus to be honest. Yeah, uh, I think they've gotten cover in areas that they needed, and of the two players, the two big players that they've signed, um, one has winning experience. The other is Premier League. Both are Premier League proven with winning experience for one of them at the highest level. So I personally think that they've they've done well. I will give them an a minus. Yeah, I think. I was having to think about this before we recorded and I wrote down A minus also. 
I think I love the Trossard move. That's an A plus. But Likewise. I'm, yeah, I'm not convinced about Jorginho. I get that he's cover for, for Partey, but I think he's a step below Partey. And mm-hmm. I would have kept going for Caicedo, but maybe they knew something that we didn't. So A minus from me as well. Yeah. Mm. Now then, moving on to second in the league, Man City. And we cannot talk about Man City without talking about the man himself, Jao Cancelo, Rizik's favourite fullback. Oh, no, no, um, no. I think this is your favourite fullback, buddy. <laughs> okay. So, what, what are our thoughts there with the whole Cancelo thing? Uh, I'll, I'll, yes, yes. Very strange. Very, like, out of nowhere, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, I saw he was getting lack of minutes and, and, and God knows what, the rotation. But because of the FPL asset that he would he was for all of us, but then you started seeing, and then I thought, you know, pep rotation, this and that. He wants to to change things up in games that he can. But then slowly started getting more and more. And then I don't know. He just goes like, yeah, I'm off the Bayern. <laughs> like, it was very it's... strange. What I would say is that the two games Cancelo played for City before the transfer, yeah, he was their worst defender. I mean, he's been their worst defender, buddy. He's been it, okay? Y'all are just... You, finally, your eyes are being opened. He's always been a poor... Def- I mean, a decent defender. But he's always been the weak link for City. Yeah, I think for me, like... I, I'm a big believer in no player is bigger than the club. So okay. if Cancelo did get too big for his boots, then he had to go, and that's fine. I think what I found really strange is they didn't try and replace him. Like, it wasn't just they tried to replace him and couldn't. They didn't even go mm-hmm. for anyone. It's, it's weird, man. It's, City have a... Well, I, I, we've all noticed that they've been playing this um, this young kid. Uh, I think Lewis, Lewis. is his name? I'm, Yeah, Lewis. Okay. So they also have a habit of, of, you know, just bringing along one of these two of these young players and then filling them in. When nece- not necessary, but when they find opportunities to, and I feel like they they think that you know what, we are confident in our style of play and our options that we can deal with, uh, him being our left back, uh, for the rest of the season. And it's just weird because now they have no cover, right? Now, like yeah. if anything happens to Rico Lewis, either Ake plays out of position. Or yeah. they play like a three back, but they don't have another right back in their entire team now. Well, I, I honestly think that in big games we will see Ake play out of position. Yeah, and back three build the up. issue. Yeah, yeah, they they've done it. They've done it. Uh, in big games, for example, uh, I think in the Arsenal games or or like any team that is a to- like a top team or something, they you'll see him play in, at that position, and they're comfortable doing that. That's that's the the thing about it. Like they're. I've actually gone away from this whole like we're gonna spend a lot of money to get the players in. They've actually been fairly like shrewd with their dealings. They I know they spend like the summer, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 like their whole like uh, thing is changing towards where they're not gonna be bullied by like oh you have Man City you got money. They're not. They're gonna step away from deals like the Kukurea, like uh, a few others. So. I just felt like they're not going to be like, okay, you want to go? Go. We'll replace you in the summer when when we find the right option and the price that we like. That's fair. 
is there, do you guys think, a little bit of discontent in the city camp? You know, there's reports coming out that Haaland and Guardiola have a bit of a distant relationship. Obviously, Cancelo and Guardiola fell out. Is this a team that's kind of, they're not really on the brink because they're second in the Premier League chasing the win, but is there, are there problems under the surface? I believe so. I believe so. I mean, not like mind-blowing problems. I'm not huge problems, but I definitely do see that there are certain issues that are not coming into play. Maybe um, the Holland and Pep thing. Maybe it's just a matter of them understanding each other still. Let's not forget, like while he's still scoring goals and everything, he's still learning and ad- adapting to how Pep wants him to play. And Pep, likewise, is adapting his team to fit Holland's strengths. So I, not necessarily, maybe a distant relationship, but as long as, I think they're figuring out each other. And I think that's always a process, whether they're banging in goals immediately or not is, is a different question. Um, With Cancelo, I think he was around for a while. And, you know, he just was like and Pep got rid of him I think in all honesty because of this point that you mentioned maybe he was not getting his minutes or maybe something of his level dropped and Pep didn't like it and his minutes yeah. dropped essentially and he sort of started arguing or, or being uncontent so he's just like you know what go Pep is very shrewd like that he is, he is. Well, maybe, maybe this is a good time to go back to Riddick's question Riddick do you want to ask a good question again yeah, but real quick, I would like to say, um, Cancelo has done this with the teams he's played for in the past as well. He's had a falling out with Juventus. That's why they told him. He's had a falling out with his previous team. He's had this habit of kind of becoming like this superstar attitude that I need to play every game. And even if I have a bad one, I'm going to be on the lineup uh, in the next game on the team sheet, I should say. Uh, there was a story on, in the article as well, basically commenting about the same thing and how it kind of happened where he didn't play against, I think it was Chelsea the first time. And he was a bit annoyed. And then as a result of that, he stopped paying attention in team meetings, even though Pep played him like for 45 minutes and was substituted in the next game. And so it was a bit of a... It had happened quickly, but it, it it wasn't out the blue. In the city camp, he was causing problems for the past month, which is maybe why you could see some maybe perhaps negative, um, negative results. But yes, now I will ask the question. Does having a Haaland make City's build-up play worse? You know, it's it's an interesting question. I'll give you my thoughts. I think Holland is the best finisher in the world. I think he can score with you know his head, his left foot, his right foot. He can finish pretty much anything. But saying that, you know, Man United, for example, are in for a new striker. I wouldn't want him. And here's my reasoning. Though he's an excellent finisher, he doesn't help with the build-up. And Man, Man United, as an example, need a build-up striker. Liverpool used a build-up striker in Firmino. That's what he did, right? Yeah. 
whereas Haaland needs it teed up to him. And what that does is it creates pressure on the midfield and the wingers to supply him. And at the start of the season, when the wingers were doing really well, it worked perfectly because he was just getting chance after chance. But then they went through this little slump where they weren't being as creative and all of a sudden Haaland couldn't score. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he makes them worse, but I think he's he's not the kind of player that's going to shine in a crap team, if you know what I mean. Like he needs good players around him to build it up for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with you pretty much like 100% actually, Shiv, because I do believe that he is someone who just finishes the move. And like like you said, you know, left foot, right foot, headers, penalties, he's got it all. Okay. Uh, however, he does not contribute to the rest of the rest of the game. Like the other contributing factor he have he has is defending from corners because he can he's a physical threat. So that's his other contribution, in my opinion. So therefore, they have a pure goal scorer. Now we have to analyze City from before two years before, after Aguero and before they signed Haaland. In those two years, they went from essentially a striker, two wingers and three midfielders to having pretty much six midfielders yeah. in in the in their attacking play and them controlling the ball and the spaces like no tomorrow no one's midfield barring liverpool's <laughs> could 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 crack their like sort of pressure right because they had their midfield would be packed at one point would have three at the next point would have five or six so they really overloaded the control of the ball in those two years and i think that that's kind of why we're seeing them not at their best because they haven't had a striker like this forget forget like the whole physical aspect of something they haven't had an aguero who was another serial goal scorer in their lineup for two years so they have to readjust their play and then even Aguero was better at it than Haaland um, you could you could see Aguero his, his build up play his dribbling these are kind of attributes that you would definitely give Aguero because he was good at it so with Haaland he doesn't even have those that's why I think that they're not at their full best this year which leaves the door open for Arsenal in my opinion but to answer your question it it currently it kind of doesn't make them as strong despite the goals I know it sounds crazy because the guy's going to break Salah's record in a few games time like I see it happening but it, it doesn't necessarily make them a better team because even if you look back to their most recent big game against uh, Man United like they went 1-0 up and they couldn't control I remember there was a time where if City went 1-0 up you are not getting the ball back. You're, and you're like you would have to rely. On, you would have to rely on like winning the ball and then breaking as a in the counter attacks as your best bet. Whereas Man United were able to play with them and essentially break them down uh, for whatever, like however you know. So I don't think they're as strong. Yeah. Okay. That is interesting. I think it's one that will show itself in time because I think if the if the midfield clicks again like they did at the start of the season, it is over for anyone. I agree. Yeah. I mean, trick after trick. But um, all right. Keeping all of that in mind. Wait. Before we move on. 
I'd like to just say, I think having Haaland is similar. Pep's had this problem before, in my opinion. When when he you know when he took over coaching at Barcelona, he had Ibrahimovic, and he could not get along with Ibrahimovic because he couldn't work out a playing style to bring Ibrahimovic's best play out for Barcelona. So they sold him. He's had this problem before, and I think this year he's tried to make a new system so that they have, when City defend, it's three at the back, and it, it morphs into like a 3-5-2 in an overload in midfield with the fullbacks. But I mm-hmm. I don't, I, I think that leaves them more open to the counter-attack more often. So I think it's, and, and you know, a lot lower, a lot a lot of teams are becoming more technical at being able to play out of the press. So, you know, yeah, even yeah. though he's got an overload in midfield, a lot of teams are being more able to play out the press and then get at City as a result. So, I think it's possibly due to his new system. It's not fully working. And also due to, you know, the development of other teams around the Premier League, which has caused this kind of... I wouldn't say... I wouldn't say like bad form, but I would say just it makes him look more susceptible to the counter attack, and their build up play looks worse as a result. Yeah, that's yeah. fair enough. So then, what we're we giving them as a trade during the transfer window? Then, Rishi, you can go first for this one. I mean, I don't even know. Like the last one big player. Let's all agree on that. I don't know. I see. They haven't even replaced anyone. They, I mean, send a few loans out. That's about it, really. So, yeah. see, like, I don't know. Really? I don't know. It's so strange. Yeah, I'd say see. They didn't have to do anything. You know, they just got rid of one unhappy player, who might come back because he's the seventy million Bayern fee, and then who knows if Bayern can afford that. Yeah. So in our in our list of seven teams that we're going to cover today. I gave Man City the second lowest rating that I gave anyone. So I gave them a D. I think I know who's last, but I'll keep the, the listeners waiting, you know. Yeah, but I, I gave them a D. I think losing Cancelo, regardless of how he was playing, makes them worse. They didn't really replace him. Uh, I know they got that South American kid, Peron. He's, what, 20? But he's really just future Rodri cover. So I think as a team, they've gotten worse in a time where they had to strengthen to try and catch Arsenal. So um, I've given them a D. Now moving on to the greater side of Manchester, oh, the side that has the Oracle. Don't talk about Arch. Stockport like that. <laughs> yeah, man, Stockport, baby. King That's actually Rashford the greatest side. himself resides there. Oh, don't they all live in the same place by the way don't they all live in the same area both yeah, man city like players don't like man city players liverpool players and man united players all live in the same area and yeah, everton players like in between the two cities because that's where all <laughs> um it's kind of funny right let's talk about let's talk about man united oh must we oh, go on then <laughs> you want me to start okay yeah, but I mean, you're going to have to start this, but he's not going to start from us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll start. Like, it it was definitely a difficult window. Yeah. I think yeah. it was one of those windows where ideally we didn't really want to get anyone 
but our hand was forced a little bit by the Ericsson injury. Um, also, I didn't know Andy Carroll still played football, but <laughs> apparently so. Not that, not that you can call that football, a red card and an Ericsson injury. But, yeah. So we, we dipped into, obviously, the market. I think we needed a striker because Martial can't play by himself. And I thought Weghorst was fine. He's a back-to-goal striker. And in my opinion, the reason we loaned Weghorst is because we want to go for someone like a hurricane in the summer. So this is like a holdover transfer, really. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing with Sabitzer. Like, it's he's a good enough player. He plays for Bayern. I know he's had a rough start to the season, but he's got good quality about him. And I think he's good as Ericsson cover. It means we don't have to play big old Victorine there. Um, I would have liked to see an option to buy just because I don't like loans with options to buy. But I think or with? I, I prefer them with, always. Oh, yeah. Because I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with player you. player plays well for you, you don't get rinsed the next summer. Yeah, yeah. But I get that it was very last second. We did it on deadline day. And there might not have been time to figure all that out. So... I think an okay market in very difficult circumstances, but let's hear the thoughts of the two Liverpool fans. Um, I will. I kind of disagree with you on one part. You said that you didn't really need want anyone. I disagree with that because I always heard like um, reports that oh, you know, Man United want a striker. They want Joao Felix, for example, and then he went to. I mean, I know he was very expensive, and we can get onto that, but. He went to Chelsea. Then you were like looking around in the market. You didn't. I. I feel like you also like originally wanted Gakpo, but yeah. I think your problem was you didn't have the money. So I disagree with you on the part of where you said that I didn't. We didn't want anyone. You wanted players. Okay. It's just you didn't have the the funds to be able to go buy them. So you had to rely on the loan market and everything. Which, I mean, it works, right? Like. It works because you got in a player like Weghorst because Martial is not consistent enough, right? Yeah. Fine. You get a player that you can get a player that can take you through to the end of the season, and then you find your full time option there, which I'm on board with. And and for Marcel Sabitzer, we all know that it was an Ericsson injury that really caused them you guys to go back in for someone. So you guys, you know, you found a solution within the loan market, which. I give you guys props for because it helps. I mean, I would, like, me and Rithik both, we're Liverpool fans, and we would both have said we will take a loan just to be able to get through the season yeah, and then go from there. But our approach has been slightly different. So I think you erred on the side of precaution slash let us fix our problems with these options for the immediate purpose and then go in with our long-term prospects and this when in the summer when the time is right and you have the money. So I think you guys got what you kind of needed and then that's about it. Yeah. So yeah. That's bad. Riddick? I like Sabitzer. I think he's a good signing for you guys. Um okay, the only thing is yes, you know, there's an option to buy. You but I don't know. I feel like he's a good he's a good option. Um, I like the way he plays with midfield. You know, a certain other team could uh, have used him. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. You know, I like the way he breaks the lines. I like the way he plays. Can play on the ball. He's very technical. Good tackle, I think, as well. Yeah, he, he's a good tackler. 
he was a hot hot commodity before he signed to Bayern because you know players in Germany just go to Bayern and then no one wants to look mm. at them after that. But sort of, I I do like the way he he is, and I like his player. I like his play style. It's tough. I I feel like if you if he plays well and United going for him in the summer, there could be something done, you know, because especially especially if Cancelo plays well at Bayern. Then and Bayern want to keep him. Then they might be willing to sell Sabitzer to fund the Cancelo move. That's yeah. an important factor, in my opinion. Well, Weghorst, I'm not. I don't think. I think it's purely because he's a good kind of guy, a striker that holds up the play. I think that's why you went in for him. Sort of, yeah. you, need, you need a runner off him, which is what Martial hey, hey, maybe Rashford. Listen. I'm not a Man United fan, but I will not have you talk shit about Walker Weghorst. Okay, he scored two goals in that in that quarterfinal against Argentina. Right, put some respect on this and guy's that free kick, name. That free kick goal was good too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's, he's a genius there. But... He's a finisher, right? And I think Rizik, you've nailed it. I personally didn't want Joe Felix because I think he's very similar to Martial in terms of player profile. That's why I didn't like him for Chelsea either, because I think he's similar to Havertz. And if you look at the way Man United play, what they really need is a back-to-goal striker, i.e. someone who can pass the ball off to the runners like Anthony, to Fernandez, to Rashford. And I think Weghorst suits that style of play better than Martial. But I'm also with Richie in that I don't think he's the final option. You know, He can't be Man United's first-choice striker, but I think he's an excellent loan move. Yeah, yeah, like Exactly. I mean, I think the the profile, like you said, you know, Harry Kane, it could be a very, very, very good option because he's a pure finisher. We both know this. Or, or sorry, we all three of us know this with both feet and obviously good in the air. But then he's got that very underrated passing ability that um, that doesn't get as much credit as it should, hence the over underratedness. But yeah, I mean, I think maybe even even if it's not Kane, I think there'll be more options in the summer and it'll be better, like sort of. I think maybe, but essentially, I also didn't think that, that you know, Joao Felix is, is the kind of person you're looking for, you know? Yeah. Uh, the only other option is um, a false nine situation, which Kane kind of does play, but he is a pure number nine first. You know, so the false nine market, I'm, I'm not sure of at the moment. But again, for this window, you guys plugged in some some gaps that you needed to have uh, plugged. And yeah, uh, that's that's really it. So I think you guys, I'll give you, I mean, yeah, I think you guys plugged in the gap. So I don't think there's anything wrong with your window. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a quick break there on the end of part one. When we come back, we'll finish our analysis of Man United and their excellent season. And then we'll cover Newcastle. Oh, God. Relax. Oh, God. Six months, he's doing season. a good thing. This is a transfer window <laughs> Yeah, yeah calm down, down, buddy. In <laughs> a couple of minutes. Peace. Peace. Oh, I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Games Gone podcast. We're now on part two of our transfer window special. We left off talking about Man United, mighty, mighty Man United, that is. 
And, uh, you know, they've had a good window-ish. They've got two loan signings as cover for injuries slash their striker issues. As Rishi mentioned to me in the break, I forgot to mention Jack Butland, who I think has been brought in more as an understudy to De Gea because I think the De Gea situation is a little bit fluid at the moment. But um, I think that's an interesting... Sure, for the, for the listeners, why don't you, you know, uh, elaborate on that? Like, explain to them what's going on for people who are unfamiliar with the situation. Well, I think Man United had an interesting choice in the summer because they have De Gea, they have Dean Henderson, who's excellent. And it's a difficult decision on who your future goalkeeper is. And I think, in all honesty, Man United acted prematurely they did the Dean Henderson loan signing before Ten Hag had a chance to assess both of them. And I think that was a mistake on the part of the management because now Dean Henderson is smashing it on his loan and they've got an option to buy. So they could take him for 20 million. Now De Gea is also getting older and there's question marks about whether you renew De Gea's contract. So if you lose De Gea and they buy Dean Henderson, who becomes your goalkeeper? Jack Butler. So I think that's why the Jack Butler loan is interesting because that has an option to buy in it, if if I'm correct. And I think they're looking at him to say, could you be our future goalkeeper if we lose Dean Henderson? I would prefer Dean Henderson personally, based on what I've seen. But obviously, Forrest have first option to buy, so there's nothing I can do about that. I have a question. Mm Hmm. You say future goalkeeper, but isn't Jack Butland on the north side of 35? So how much of a future is that with the with the team? See that hold? I, 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 I think, think so. He used to play for Stock. He's, he's, uh, 29. Stoke, he's 29. Really? Oh, yeah, oh my God. My mistake then. He's been around since Stock days. So, yeah, he's got a good few years ahead of him. No, no, no. Okay, <laughs> he was the, he was the, he was the Stoke uh, goalkeeper, right? He was back in the day. Yeah. All right. So then I just assumed that he was an old Stoke goalkeeper at the time. Yeah. So he was a few ahead of him. It could work. Yeah. No. no I mistake, it could Jack Butland. If you ever hear this, my bad, <laughs> Jackie boy. Our apologies. Yeah, um, you did well for for Stoke, buddy. And in my <laughs> ultimate team in FIFA 16 or whatever. <laughs> right, so Man United, what are your thoughts for the rest of their season? What's the expectation? Where are they going? Top four is okay. the minimum, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And, you know, you could argue maybe if Arsenal were to win it, United could push City close. I think Arsenal will finish above United personally. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I think Arsenal are out of reach, but it's a very interesting situation we find ourselves in because if City win those two games against Arsenal, then the top three becomes very, very close all of a sudden. But mm, if yeah. Arsenal win those two games, I think Man United could get second. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys have played Man United twice already. Uh, Man City twice already, have you? Yeah, they got beaten 6-3 or something and then they won the second leg. If I remember correctly. Yeah, so I think in terms of that, Man City do have a harder run than we do. And they're, what, three points ahead of us and they need to pay Arsenal twice. And how many points are you behind Arsenal? Uh, Eight currently, but they've got game in hand. 
Interesting. Well, the thing is, if Arsenal lose two, anything can happen. Like, you know, you just saw yesterday they lost Everton. You yeah, don't I, I don't think we're in off. a title race as such. Like, I wouldn't ever like to assume that. But, yeah, I think the signs are good for Man United. To me, I think we have to get top four and we have to win the Carabao Cup. Yeah, and that's going to be tough because Newcastle, you know, we'll speak about Newcastle soon, but uh, that'll be tough. I think I think um, United do have to win. Uh, I mean, not win. I'd say you do have to get top four. And if you told any United fan at uh, the beginning of the uh, at the beginning of the season that you know you'd be third, comfortably third, I believe, or comfortably in the top four, I should say, and you'd be you'd be making this much progress and you're you're playing really well. Yeah, I, I if. Put it this way, I'd say if you told a United fan at the big before Ten Hag, you know, took charge, or like as Ten Hag was taking charge, that you'd be they'd be third, they'd be in the a final of a Carabao Cup, and they'd be playing in such a way that their performances warranted the results they were getting, they would have bit you. Oh yeah, Dreamland. Dreamland. So you know, in that respect, Ten Hag's only been there for what, twenty something games? He's only been there for six, seven months. What is yeah. it, eight months now? He took charge in, what, June? Yeah, absolutely. So, good signs ahead for Man United. Yeah, um, we need to grade their transfer window. What are your thoughts? <laughs> like, as you said, you know, you just got cover for some of the players, that the pieces you needed, and Weghorst for, you know, the... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go as far as to say he's like the missing piece, but he he does provide you with a position you did need. So, in that regards, I would say probably same as Arsenal, B, yeah. maybe a, a C, but probably a B. You know, what? lock in B. <laughs> That's fair. I I I thought Arsenal had a better window because of the Trossard signing, so uh-huh. I went. I I wrote on my piece of paper, I wrote B minus slash C plus. I couldn't quite decide between them. But you're right in the sense that it's 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 not a bad window. I think the yeah. Sabbath recover was probably a, a clever move, but it's mm-hmm. not a standout window either. We didn't sign anyone that I'm like, oh wow, that was good, good business. You know what I mean? But most of the time that doesn't happen in January. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Apart apart from the few exceptions. You know, as a Liverpool fan, I'm going to say Luis Diaz. That was a great signing for a January window. And, you know, we had Virgil van Dijk. That was the signing we needed at the time that we signed him. Right, So, in terms of in terms of that, I'd say B is probably best. I would, again, to quickly point on Arsenal, I put them down to a B because of, I think they overpaid for Trossard. But that's you think Oh, because of the six-month thing. Fair. Yeah. Because of the six-month deal. He only has six months left. So, Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the surprise package of the window. Let's talk about Newcastle. I mean, what a season they're having, right? Almost beggars belief what they've achieved. Mm -hmm. Um, An interesting window for them. I don't think they made too many moves. Obviously, the big one was Anthony Gordon, who I think they paid 45 for. Memory, I think it's 40 plus five and add ons if they were to in with some conditions. I'm not sure, right? Fine, I think 
You know, what are your thoughts about Anthony Gordon? I know, I don't. So when in the summer his future was speculated quite a lot, you know, with links to Chelsea and, and a massive offer of what 60, 70 million, which at the time I thought was ridiculous. So and he hasn't played this season well. He hasn't played well this season at all, I should say. Yeah. I I think Newcastle overpaid for Anthony Gordon, in my opinion. I don't think he's worth 40, 45. But I think, yeah. you know, the January factor, the way they're playing. He's young as well, isn't he? He is very young. He's got potential. So I think these these factors influence the deal and the fee. And to be honest, I'd say that Everton Everton should have got should have bit Chelsea's hand off when they asked for 70. But I'd say they recovered. 40 is still a good fee for Anthony Gordon. Yeah, you know. it's interesting because I think Eddie Howe is an excellent manager. Yeah. And I'm interested to see how he utilizes Gordon to get the most out of him. So it I think it's one of those transfers that we could look back at it in a year's time and say that was a waste of money. But we could also mm-hmm. look at it and go, that was some good business. Yeah. So I think slightly on the expensive side, I do agree with you. I think one worry for me with Newcastle is their midfield depth. I don't know if you've seen, but obviously they got rid of John Joe Shelby. He went to Forest. I, did, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Yeah, actually. so he's gone to Forest, which means they have Bruno Guimaraes, Longstaff, Joe Litton, and Willock as their only starting midfielders, and they play a three-man mid. Didn't and they then, bring in... What about the guy they brought in from um, the US? Doesn't he play midfield? I don't know, if I'm totally honest. But um, it worries me that they've got four midfielders for three slots, and one of them got a red card, so he's out for a while. It just cover-wise, they're a little bit short, I think, in midfield. I think mm-hmm. a team always needs five or six midfielders. <laughs> yeah. As we'll talk about at Liverpool later on. So don't have to I bring think, us into this. <laughs> I, I think that's my only worry for them. But look, Eddie Howe's an incredible manager. They've smashed it. In terms yeah. of kind of prospects for the rest of the season, I think they're gonna make the top four. <laughs> what are your thoughts? It'd be hard to bet against them after the way they've uh, played during the resumption. But I would say I did predict them to be fifth before, but I don't know how much, how good that's looking at this minute. So I'll come back to Newcastle on my final top four prediction, if they were or not. But I don't know, but I would say on, I would say about the recruitment that the signings they brought in, they haven't, they've, they haven't missed up until now with the new ownership. So, I would say that we need to give maybe Anthony Gordon and some time. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, it'd be interesting. What what grade do you want to give Newcastle then for their window? Um, C. Partly because I haven't heard of many of the other players that they brought in, and I think they overpaid for Anthony Gordon, but could turn yeah. out well. I think a high C, maybe, maybe like a C plus. C plus. Yeah, I think I think a C plus. We yeah. all do. Right. So moving on from Newcastle, 
I guess we can talk about the other team that's probably closest to the top four, which is the Mighty Hotspurs. And uh, Tottenham had a weird, weird uh, window, really. And I know they they loaned a couple of players. They had the whole Matt Doherty situation. What's your take on Spurs? Yeah, that was a bit strange. He was just randomly released. It wasn't like they got a fee or anything for him. No, so did you did you hear what happened with that? They tried to, they basically tried to loan him out, and then the Premier League has a cap on how many loaned out players you can have at the same time. Uh huh. And Spurs had hit the limit, huh. so they they had to release him. But to me, to me, that's very um very amateurish for such a big club. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That is. Very, very strange. Why didn't they try to sell him? I don't know the exact ins and outs of the conversation, but he wanted to leave. They wanted to get rid of him. They thought a loan was best because there was no one in the market for him. But then it was a mutual termination in the end. All very strange. I know but then you he joined another to... club, no? He may couldn't they have gotten a pound for him or something? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly... One Freddle bar? Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing seemed very weird to me and it took away from any kind of actual transfer news because they, they got Poro, right? Yeah. I think it's loan with option to buy or I believe they were trying for a transfer and they had agreed a fee with Sporting Lisbon but then they Sporting Lisbon tried to increase by like a couple of million, they're asking. Because yeah. he plays as a right winger? Yes. Hmm. And Dan Juma plays as the left. But Dan Juma feels more like cover to me because they play Kulisevsky on one side, don't they? Well, Kulisevsky's always injured. Yeah, glass cannon, isn't he? When he plays, he's excellent. But yeah, yeah but glass cannon. I just I look at Spurs' transfer window, and this is their. Like, I know they got top four last year and everything, but this is a great season for them to get top four, right? Because Liverpool have fallen off, Chelsea have fallen off. Yeah, fallen they're... off is a bit too harsh. <laughs> we'll see. But <laughs> I think, really, it's just a two-horse race between Spurs and Newcastle for that fourth spot at the moment. So I would have expected Spurs to at least strengthen. Mm-hmm. But I don't think their team looks, or their squad, looks any better than it did before the window. Yeah. And, you know, they so. You know, Brian Brian Gill's gone. Jed Spencer's gone. Jed Spencer's a player they bought from Forest in the window. Don't think he's played much at all for Spurs since he's no. joined them in the, from the summer. Uh, I don't know who Harvey White or Adam Hayton are, but Matt Doherty also left. I don't know. I think you're right about Spurs. I I, I don't think they did much. No, and there's all this talk about how Conte is going to leave in the summer. Yeah, Conte is also sick right now with some virus. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if their director of football he gets too involved, and that's why no manager seems to make it work at Spurs. Well, isn't that director of football the guy who worked with Conte at Juventus? And because Juventus are under investigation, he's been suspended. I thought Levy was the director of football. Is he or is he chairman of the club? I think Levy's chairman of the club. No. But it was Levy I was talking about specifically. He's obviously very, very involved with the team. And I think sometimes that harms them because you'd think Spurs, brand new stadium, NFL contract, 
investment, Harry Kane. Every time it feels like they could build something bigger, they just don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much a cycle team. Uh, they they have a, a good cycle, and when they're nearly there, you know, Levy or whoever deals with transfer transfers and stuff always say no. This is enough. You know, we will compete. Get close enough. No, I mean, get close. End of cycle. Start again with a new manager. Yeah. You know, that's just how Spurs have been in the last, I don't know how many years now. Well, yeah, do you remember them firing Mourinho a week before the cup final? Yeah, and that's very questionable, that decision. Yeah, it just seems like a mess at the top with Spurs. But The mighty... Uh, what was his name? That uh, Ryan Mason <laughs> against yeah. Pep, you know? <laughs> silly. Let him at least play the cup final. He's your Ma- best managerial battle of the ages. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about Spurs? Do you reckon they'll make the top four? No. No. I don't think so. I actually think there's probably more of a chance of Chelsea or Liverpool catching up to them than there is of them getting to the top four. Getting to the top yeah. four. You want to tell you honest? And yeah. what, having said that, what rank would you give them for the... The window. Mm. Again, they kind of just got rid of players or loaned out players who didn't want to be there or weren't playing enough and loaned in, like, cover players. So, I don't know. I think C minus, maybe a D. Yeah, I think a C minus is probably fair. I just... They didn't really do anything. They're not much stronger. Bit of a nothing window for them, really. And January can sometimes be a difficult window to manage. Yeah. I think the only thing that might push them to a D, if one were to be harsh, is this whole Doherty situation. Like, I know he wasn't an important player to them, but it just stinks of bad management. Management, yeah. I think they should have tried to get a keeper as well. Like, Lloris is not playing well. Their backup keeper isn't that great either. Yeah, very true. Very true. Well, that's that's the top five teams in the league done. I think in terms of order of window, we've said, what, Arsenal, Man United, Newcastle, City, then Spurs? No, Spurs, then City, really, because of the Cancelo situation. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, I guess, two honourable mention teams that are in that traditional top six, but are actually in ninth and tenth. So uh, let's start with ninth place Chelsea. They've now spent six hundred million since the start of the season, mm-hmm. which is an outrageous Crazy. amount of money. More than I think all the other leagues combined, right? Yes, they spent more in this window than any other leagues combined. They spent more in this window than Liverpool have in the last eight years or eight windows or whatever random stat that is. So yeah. Oh. All right. Let's let's just. Let's talk about the big movers for them. So obviously there's Jao Felix, who they got in. Who got suspended first game. <laughs> yeah, and considering his loan cost is something ridiculous, that like when you add his wages, it's like a million pounds a match. To lose him for the rest of January was outrageous. Yeah, it really was. It's and, also uh, crazy that Chelsea have no option to buy and Felix is just under new contract at Madrid at Atleti Madrid so it's clear that they're he's probably planning for I know it's going to digress from Chelsea talk but uh, he's probably planning for Atletico to sack Simeone 
and get a new yeah, manager. There's a lot of talk about that, right? That Simeone is going to leave as like go. I, I could actually see Simeone going to Chelsea, funnily enough. <laughs> um, if Graham Potter doesn't make it, but maybe Spurs, maybe Spurs, but yeah, and then he'll come back with a new manager, and you know, they're not going to sell him, they bought him for 100 million. Yeah, so that's not going to happen. What do you think of? Of Mudrick, because when I first, obviously he was a big Arsenal fan, but then Chelsea came in with double the wages and he went with them. Yeah. But for a player that's only played 30 top flight games in his career, this boy went for a lot of money. Yeah. I, I, that whole situation, I was like, oh, he's going to Arsenal. It's, it's a nailed on thing. You know, he'd end up at Arsenal, you know, they got the guy they wanted and Arsenal could continue this really good form. I mean, good uh, season they're having. But then Chelsea came in and sort of been was like, sort of were like, I know you want him and that's why I'm just going to pay over the odds so that you can't have him. In my eyes, yeah. that's what it looked like. I, yeah. I, I don't really know much about him, the player itself, to be honest. I don't know much about Mudrik. I know he's a quick, pacey winger, but apart from that, I, I know very little. Yeah, I mean, he didn't do very well in that game against Fulham a couple of days back. But in his first game, his debut game, where he played about half an hour, he did look lively. Mm -hmm. I just can't go with the idea of, and I know he's young, but paying, you know, 80-odd million for a player that's scored eight goals in his whole career. Yeah, 10 million per goal. (laughs) Yeah, imagine buying Messi at that price. But it it just strikes me as bad business. Yeah. You know, if it was like 50 million and then another 30 were add-ons based on how he performs, I would get that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But 80 million is a lot of money for a player that might not turn into anything. Yeah. And what about the um, eight or how many, what is it, eight or seven year contract? Oh, yeah, this is the thing. This is how Chelsea are getting away with it, right? Yeah. They're putting players on these massive contracts. And I actually read a really good article about this and how it does get them through financial fair play because it spreads the risk into the future. Yeah. But it's a huge gamble because if some of these players don't work out and they're logged in, locked into seven, eight-year contracts, then Chelsea will screw themselves in the future as a result. Yeah. and it, But it's tricky They've given really long deals to all a lot of the players they brought in, but they've also given a long deal to the manager. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much of a say Potter has in these signings. And, you know, so maybe he's... And if he has had a say and he wanted all these players apart from Felix that he's gotten, and he's looking to build with this team in the future, then they could become a force if these guys live up to the potential. Yeah. But there's a lot of nuance and ifs in this in those in in that and a lot of just... it, if in two three years time none of these players have panned out then they have a huge wage bill and nowhere to go with it yeah and now they've got problems because mason mount apparently has rejected his new contract because he's not making as much as the new signings are mm-hmm. yeah so their wage structure is all going to be messed up by this interesting about mount liverpool are keen apparently Especially if we're getting him on a free contract, you know. To be honest, he, he makes sense for Liverpool. He's that kind of player. He'll fit your system. So, about from let's talk about the last big signing Chelsea made. That's Enzo Fernandez. What were your thoughts? That's a UK record, right? 105 million. I thought it was 120. 
120 million euros, I think it was. Ah, correct. Okay. Um, I thought he had a great World Cup, but you know, is is part of the reason why they paid so much because of his good World Cup and the fact he won, or have they have they done the research to suggest that you know he'd be a very good signing? In terms of Enzo Fernandez, I know Liverpool were interested at one point, but not at one hundred and twenty million. Yeah, yeah. No, I think Enzo Fernandez is an excellent player. And I yeah. think having excellent centre mids is a, is very difficult at the moment because there's not that many of them. Mm. Having said that, I don't think he's the world's best centre mid and they paid world's best centre mid money for him. Yeah. Who and is? I think that's why I don't like it. I don't know if it's because they knew that Chelsea were desperate for him. Yeah, for Benfica, huge, huge victory that. I mean, they only bought him at the start of the season, right? Yeah. And they've, they've like more than quadrupled their money on him five times, I think it is. And so, he could make 200 million in the last two transfers. It's crazy. Because we bought Nunez from them. 100 million is a lot for Enzo Fernandez. Yeah. And again, he's one of those, you know, we talk about Mudrick and the others. He's one of those signings that he's locked into a really long contract, seven or eight years, if I remember. And it just might not work out. Yeah. I'd like to I mean, think it would with him with him though. I think he's I think it will work out with Enzo Fernandez personally. And I think having Conte and Enzo Fernandez together is a hell of a combination. Well, yeah, but how long how much longer are we gonna see that? Because Conte hasn't agreed an extension either. No, he hasn't. He hasn't. It's a difficult situation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's see what happens with Chelsea. I think Chelsea are another one of those teams. A little bit like what we said about Gordon at Newcastle, that we'll look back at this in two years and either Todd Bowley has absolutely smashed it or he screwed them for the next decade. Yeah. I don't think there's any in between. What about Fofana, Badshai, Shield, Santos, or, you know, all these other players? Do you know much about them? Or... To me, they feel like squad players. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's anything more to it than that. Um, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on them. To me, it just seems like he's seen the kind of squad from before and how many times it's changed. I mean, how many times it's managed to get the manager sacked from the previous uh, ownership. And now he's just like, all right, we'll change the squad. Here's 50% of the... Here's... For 50% of the squad for next season, you know, you got Nkunku joining as well in the summer. You've got your loan players to come back. Um, you, you've got them going to be active in the summer. Yeah, here's the team. Here's here we're building. Here's 80% of this rebuild. Bet them in for the six months, right? This season off, next season, come back hard. Yeah, that is fair. It could work out for them. It could, yeah. In terms of who they sold, I don't think there were any big names that are other than Jorginho. Which well, it was actually, about to be ZH. To, yeah, to it was PSG. about to be ZH, but it fell you through. You hear the right? story about that? They sent the wrong paperwork, right? Three times. Crazy. But with Jorginho, I actually thought it was good business by Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because he was going on a free in the summer anyway. Yeah. So from Chelsea's perspective, at least they got something instead of nothing. Yeah. So I can't blame him there. In terms of a window grade, what are we thinking? 
I'd say in the region of B plus to A minus, just because yeah. you don't know how it's going to work out. Also, interesting thing about Jorginho is the way FFP works is the sales are reflected on the books immediately, whereas the the buys spread, are yeah. per year. Yeah, so, so actually selling him helps the buys this year. Yeah, in terms of balance, financial fair play, and if they did manage to sell ZH as well, it would have helped. But some mm-hmm. intern messed up. <laughs> He's definitely not got a job. Um, <laughs> I think they're an A minus as well. I think mm-hmm. I I like Enzo Fernandez as a player. I like Mudrik as a player. Yeah, I'm not sure they paid the right amount of money for them, but. At the end of it, they came through a really difficult period after the Abramovich sale where they lost a lot of players. And Todd Bowley is throwing money at this to make it work. Yeah. So I can kind of respect the attempt at regrowth. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think they've written off the season. If they came fifth this season, they'd take it. Yeah. If they came, yeah, fifth Europa League. Yeah. And that brings us on to our final big in inverted commas team take that back um <laughs> liverpool you know what? i'm gonna let you start with liverpool because i have my own thoughts and I, I i have a grade already written down for liverpool um, so do i right so should we do this the other way around for liverpool should we say the grade first yeah go on what's yours i gave them an e an e i gave them a u wow so you went lower than i did fair enough yeah <laughs> Let's talk about it. What are your thoughts on Liverpool? First of all, what's the transfer window? Never heard of it. <laughs> um, where do I even start with Liverpool? Oh, man. I mean, okay. I gave them a U, but I don't want this to reflect on Gakpo because it's honestly not his fault. Yeah. I think Gakpo is a great player and he will be an even better one, you know, with Klopp and co-working with him. But honestly, it was just the wrong time for Gakpo. You needed to give him, you needed to sign him in the summer. If, and honestly, it's just mismanagement. There's a lot of confusion at Liverpool going around right now. You've had the previous recruitment team gone, you know, Michael Edwards and the analyst. And now we've got the new recruitment team also gone. Julian Ward's leaving at the end of this year, who took over from Michael Edwards just last summer. He right. and he negotiated the Luis Diaz deal, and apparently he's working on with Dortmund for the Bellingham deal. And you've got Ian Belgon, who is he is the guy who did the research and compiled the data for these players that we have gone and bought. So effectively, FSG have had. What made what brought us to the top all leave in in the last three to four years, right? A lot of this has gone under the radar. With so our key successful unit has gone either because FSG are not paying them enough, or because you know Michael Edwards said I've been here ten years, it's time to leave, sort of thing. Yeah, and interesting. Now, and now you've got kind of the ownership situation where. One week it's FSG are willing to sell the whole club, and then the other the next week it's FSG are only willing to sell a minority of the club and just for investment. So there's a lot of confusion around Liverpool right now, 
and it's coming on to and it's definitely happening off the pitch. It's sort of what I would attune it to is something similar to Chelsea last season. Obviously, I think Chelsea's was worse because of you know who their owner was and stuff at the time. But um, it's kind of like that. But I would say if you if you want to just look at it from what we know, which is Liverpool signed Gakpo for thirty seven and a half million, having known that they only had thirty seven and a half million to sign one yeah. player this window, and they've spent it on an attacker who is the short term, who we do have injuries to, yes. Whereas we haven't signed a midfielder in four years. I'm not counting Arthur Mello as a midfielder because he hasn't played. And honestly, I don't think he will play for Liverpool. Well, it's it's no sense which not enough, right? You've had this issue with midfield. Yeah. And last year we were able to kind of go along with it because like Thiago had good availability. Navigator had a good season in terms of availability. You know, Fabinho was still playing at a high level. So we were able to push onto nearly football immortality. You know, we, you could say we we did fall short. We did. Yeah. But it's it's interesting last season, right? Because a lot of people always say that Liverpool were two games off winning the quad. Yeah. But also Liverpool were two penalty kicks off not winning anything. Yeah. But those very, are the fine margins, right? Yeah, that's the fine margin, right? And you have to that's look at it both ways. Like Liverpool almost won nothing and they almost won it all. Yeah. Which you know, neither of those finals was a comfortable win. Yeah. And you know, I I think I don't know. I I think the defense is a little bit screwed at the moment because Van Dyke and Canate are both injured. That's another thing that needs fixing. Yeah, we had like, there's there's too many problems, and you're in that Man United situation where your centre-backs are getting put under too much pressure because your midfielders can't protect them. Yeah, and that's another thing that needs replacing, by the way. I don't know if you... You obviously probably won't know this because you don't follow it, of course, closely as I do. But the unit, the performance analysis and the kind of fitness coaches and and basically the physio coaches and the analysts were all sacked during the COVID pandemic. And it's really shown in the last year because we haven't replaced them and we've had so many injuries. Interesting. So a little bit of mismanagement then from the ownership structure. Not not a little, a lot. They set up something so good, they just didn't fork over the money, which is probably Mm -hmm. why they're selling. Let's just talk about Gagpo, because I think if you go back to the summer, obviously Man United were interested in him and they couldn't agree evaluations so they didn't buy him. Mm -hmm. But... Somebody else made this point to me, and I want to mention it because I think it's a good one. Gakpo at his old club was averaging more than a goal contribution a game if you add up his goals and assists. Yeah. There are very few strikers in world football that have that average. Yeah. Yet, no one was buying him. Mm-hmm. And my friend was making the point that maybe that's indicative of the fact that he's not as good as his stats were showing. So you think he's overperforming? I think he overperformed in the league he was in. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, where else in the world would you say that a striker who's averaging more than a goal slash assist per game is going to go for 37 million? Mm-hmm. How many of them even are there? Mbappe, Haaland, Kane? 
Gakpo. The thing is, he's not a striker. I mean, he's a winger. Yeah, but then, then even more, there should be everybody, everybody and their mum should have been going for him. But nobody was really that interested. Man United were, but he, they, he was overpriced, and we went the other way with Anthony. You guys were and it's more for Anthony. Yeah, <laughs> and and I think that was a mistake, um, which I think we spoke about in an earlier podcast. But I don't think we have. I it it worries me that Gakpo isn't as good as people thought he is. And now it's showing at Liverpool. He's what seven games without a goal or an assist. I think it's interesting because uh, at PSV Gakpo played at left wing, hmm. whereas we're trying to play make him play the way Firmino used to play. Yeah. So he's coming to a new country. He's coming to a new team. He's trying to learn a new system with inverted commas because honestly we don't have a play style at this minute, but. Uh, we're trying to make him this new Firmino with false nine sort of role and but his strong weird. position because, on the left. Yeah, because when, not the Wolves game, but the game before I was watching it, the Liverpool game, and Nunes came on, but Nunes went to the left and Gakpo stayed in the middle. Yeah. And I was like, why would you do that when Nunes is a striker and Gakpo's a winger? Honestly, no clue. And Obviously, they see something we don't. But at this at this point, all Liverpool fans are probably questioning some of the club's decisions, some of the club's comments, a lot more so than usual. Yeah. And I think because of the way the team is performing, there's a lot more scrutiny on Liverpool right now. So everything looks like a mess. It, it's similar to how United were, you know, in those three, in the last, what, eight years or whatever? Ten yeah. years? however long it's been, where everything United did was under heavy, heavy scrutiny. So then from that perspective, if this run continues to the end of the season for Liverpool, they end kind of low end of the top 10. Mm-hmm. Is Klopp's job up for grabs? No. <laughs> Elaborate. That's the thing. If it stays as FSG owning Liverpool... Klopp won't leave because they they have a good relationship with him. He has a good he has a good relationship with them. He doesn't, you know. So I I don't know. Part of the recruitment thing, kind uh, of part of the recruitment problems, I would say, have come from Klopp, either blocking transfers and or just saying no, flat out refusing. And you know, you, you could say that. That's only happened in the last two years, which is true. It's only happened in the last two years because Edwards and all left before and Klopp wouldn't have a say. I remember famously uh, saying, I mean, Edwards famous, a story famously coming out that Liverpool, Klopp didn't even want Salah. He wanted Brandt, but the recruitment team overruled him and we got Salah. And, you know, we we know how that turned out. So I think, I think that Klopp's job won't be under scrutiny. But I do think that there's, I mean, there are serious questions he needs to answer, and he has shown a bit of stubbornness in recent recent um, games. You know, constantly sticking with a four three three when it hasn't worked, and we don't have the legs for the four three three. And our best results this season have come from a four four two. Well, yeah, you need that extra midfielder, right, to cover because yeah. I think Liverpool are in a dodgy situation, you know. Strikers, the strikers are 
<clears throat> they might find form. I think Nunes is better than Gakpo, but let's nice see how that works out. I think the midfield is aging out, right? Four out of seven of them are over 30. Yeah. Fabinho is very close to 30 as well. <clears throat> and also, we haven't mentioned this, but I don't think Jude Bellingham comes to Liverpool if you don't get Champions League football. That's it's tricky. I think the thing is, I think Jude Bellingham doesn't fix this alone. I think midfield needs major surgery. So I'm thinking two to three midfielders in the window. What efforts do you give you? Two to 50 million to spend on it? It depends on who's in charge at the time of the mid window. I, I think we've done a lot of the groundwork for Jude Bellingham. And so he is excited by the idea of joining Liverpool, but he can't be the only piece. We can't just sign Jude Bellingham. If we do end up signing Jude Bellingham, and be like, yep, that's it. Problem solved. We have a lot more problems than that. We've got a young attack. I'd argue we need more midfielders, three to four midfielders. We need some, we had to hand out some contracts as well because you know, players, young players like Trent Alexander-Arnold, he's got, he's got, he's up for a renewal either this year and like in the summer or... We've got a few players leaving on freeze, right? Next year, we've got a few players leaving on freeze. So, <clears throat> every, and, you know, we need, I'd say we need a centre-back as well. Yeah. So, everything at Liverpool right now is up in the air and honestly, I, I just want clarity as to, I think the biggest thing is the ownership of the club and right now, that's probably going to take centre stage over the performances. I I don't think, I mean, I'm not trying to use that as an excuse. I think, you know, we should be playing better and Klopp should be making more better tactical decisions. Yeah. So, I think, I think if, in terms of performance... Because sorry, go on. It, it could go one of two ways. You could, the ownership could sort their crap out. You could spend £200 million on midfielders, get a centre-back in, and... Nunez could find form and you'd become Diaz will be back and you'll be a powerhouse of football again. Yeah. But equally, Gakpo Nunez might be flops. You don't sign enough midfielders because you don't have money to. Your centre backs are raging out. And all of a sudden, you're a team that is nowhere near the top. Yeah. Honestly, I'd say we need a, a few. This is some people have put this as Liverpool Gen 2. Right, we've had Klopp's first version of Liverpool. This is the second version up upcoming. So yeah. we've had young players in midfield. Is the next part that needs work. You know, if Liverpool do go out and sign Bellingham, Nunez, and maybe Caicedo, then you could say, you know what? Okay, we didn't get centre back, but mm. this could be very good, and we could be powerhouses, just like you okay. said. But in terms of this season, I think Klopp needs to make a few better decisions. I really one okay. I'd say the one good thing that has come from this season is Bacacic. I think he's a really good player and he's a very good CDM, technical player. He's good on the ball. He's good, kind of distributing the play. So I really like him, and he's playing more than Fabinho. But he's and young. Right? He's eighteen. He's only eighteen, so he's got potential, and he's just been given a new contract as well. Yeah. So he's the only good thing. But interesting fact. The last four games are the first time Henderson's been on the bench for the last four, four games in a row. 
So, and Klopp has recently in a press conference said, I'm not going to be loyal to anyone. So, yeah, I don't think, I don't think he can afford to be. Because, yeah. yeah, look where you are. You're 10th now. Yeah, and we were embarrassed by Wolves, who haven't scored six. They've only scored six goals all season at home. Or Yeah, they're the lowest scoring team in the Premier League, right? And they put three past us. Like, it's embarrassing at this point. Yeah, it is. It is. So let's just, let's talk about Liverpool. So you're 10th at the moment, 29 points on the board. Fourth is 11 points ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourselves ending up this season? <laughs> the optimist in me says like fifth or fourth. Re- the realistic in me says like sixth. <laughs> yeah. Seventh, the way we're playing. I just do not want Conference League football. So bin that if we get Conference League, nah. <laughs> that's, that's the issue, right? It's like, I could see Liverpool in that sixth, seventh slot. But then that's Conference League, isn't it? Yeah. It's like you don't want to be in the Conference League. So is it? it's almost better in a way to pan the season, come eighth, and then rebuild next year. Yeah. Uh, Mm, difficult. I can't see you guys coming top five if I'm totally honest. Yeah. I think the top four as it is now will be the top four at the end of the year. That's a shot. Yeah. I, I think all four of them will make the top. But um, interesting times for Liverpool. Gotta be yeah. said. All up in the air. Do you think we get Qatari owners or something? Or what are you thinking about the ownership? I think you might. It depends what effort you're saying, because now obviously he's talking about a minor, minority stake, and I don't think Qatar will want a minority stake. No. From what I've read, the rumors club. Qatar have had talks with FSG for a majority. I mean, for the whole yeah. club. So I think... And I think that would be good for you, because then they would invest the money you need. Yeah. But it's all up for grabs, you know. It's, it's very difficult at the moment, because FSG is trying to sell, but... You haven't won a game in your last, what, five? Four? Yeah. No, we... Yeah, I, honestly, I've tuned out of this season. I don't even know. Yeah, so it just... I think every week that this goes on, your value is less and less likely to be two billion. Which means they will sell. <laughs> yeah. If they get an offer near that. So, interesting situation for Liverpool. I think... I personally can't see you guys recovering anytime soon. I think you need like a full four or five year rebuild. It depends. If we have someone that comes in and is like, okay, we'll give you 300 million, patch up all the errors of the squad you'd need. And we, and they make good appointments in the recruitment area. You know? Yeah. It's just hard at the moment, right? Because Arsenal have such a young, vibrant team, Man City, United are on the up. Newcastle yeah. are on the up. Well, yeah. Chelsea's if the owner half a billion. If the owner comes in and is like, here, 300 million, and then they convince maybe Edwards to come back, then I'd say you're yeah, in It's definitely possible. I just, my lean is towards it not happening. Well, yeah, that's the United fan. The optimist in me says it's going to happen. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. What about the United ownership? How what's happening there? I think ideal situation is for um, Radcliffe to buy us because he's a Man United fan. He owns two other football clubs, so you get the multi-club model and all the benefits that comes from that. Which two clubs does he own? 
He owns Leon and one more, a Swiss team. Leon have a good history of churning out good players, to be fair. Yeah, so it it would be the ideal situation. I think Qatari owners are also obviously circling Man United because it's a big club. But I think the reason I want Radcliffe is he's a Man United fan. And I think that's important because what Man United have been lacking, though we spent money in the transfer window, is investment in the club. Mm-hmm. You know, Old Trafford needs work. The training yeah. ground needs work. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that structural mm-hmm. stuff needs investment and that's high capital outlay. And I could see Radcliffe doing that. So it'd be interesting. I think it is time for the Glazers to go. And I mm-hmm. think they're happy to sell because this is probably the most they're ever going to get for the club. Yeah. So, but, you know, yeah. interesting to see how that works. I don't think we'll see anything till the summer. And I think that's probably why we didn't buy anyone in January because they want to sell quicker. So, Arguably you know, the same with us, except that money doesn't come from our owners. So. Yeah, true, true. But anyway, people, that was our transfer window special. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure to talk about it. And we'll be back soon with more football and other content. Peace for me. Rithik, any final words? Thank you all for listening. I hope you had a good um, January and we'll see you soon. Peace. Peace.